Tripping with Trip. Hey, y'all. I am, you are, we are tripping at habitable spaces with Ken and Kat. <laughs> Hi, y'all. Hi. Ken and Kat, as you will find out through this interview, have been here for a while. They've been working on a stunning stained glass piece for the bottle house. It's a massive, what, how, how big would you say that piece of stained glass is? Mm. About five by ten? Ten, ten by four. Four. By four. Okay. It it's, is a, five. it's 130 inches wide. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, you know exactly. Oh, you, you, you I don't do remember how tall it is. I think it's 58 wow, inches tall. Okay. We've got a very beautifully detailed piece of stained glass in the bottle house here that is a um, depiction of life at habitable spaces. And I will let you guys talk about how would you describe the piece what was the process going into it? For those who can't see it, how would you explain what do you see when you first look at it? It's, um, well, first of all, it's a mosaic. A mosaic. That was the word I was looking for. Sorry. Made with stained glass, glass. Um, and there are a huge, maybe like five by five sort of trough of all this stained glass that Allison had collected from a gentleman who was moving his stained glass shop. And so it was scraps and bits and he got rid of it. And that's a real lucky find because that's probably thousands of dollars worth of beautiful glass. Like high quality glass. Some of it's very high quality, yeah. And multicolored. Multicolored. You, you seem to have found every color in the rainbow. Yeah, just sort of hidden away in the forest <laughs> under a piece of plywood. So, uh, you know, in terms of the process of this, we, As were, we do at Habitable Space. We were down here for different reasons or same reasons also, but at different times, meaning Cat had come down first. My schedule. I came down a little bit later, and then we were working on getting their amazing new shop together, uh, putting in, putting these new glass doors on, new old glass doors also found in a field. <laughs> <laughs> but, but high uh, quality. Yeah, when and then and up. then Allison, you know, Kat and I had wanted to do a project together, more of a building project, but it, I personally didn't think it was realistic because of my type, time frame, because I only had a few weeks down here. Midweek, Allison asked us if we wanted to do a mosaic, which... So this piece was not planned? No. That and is mind-blowing because it is such high-quality detail. It's just so stunning. I I would think that you'd have to take a year to plan something like that. That's that's a really That's amazing not how thing it's done around here, Trent. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, okay, so you found it under under the cardboard boxes. I think I... I met you uh, when I came here a couple of weeks ago for other things. You kind of gave me a little bit of a review on how high quality this glass you know, was. Technically, but I no that was idea. day one. That was day one. I think because we, after hours, laid out the glass in the in the forest and we're like, "What are we doing?" You know, what? And we started sketching stuff at night. And then that was the first day that Cat started laying in at least the sun, which is like the center centerpiece above a mirror that we. Tried to cut into a pyramid, but we, or a triangle, but we 
I think it's perfectly imperfect. I like that it's not a perfect triangle. I really do. Um, so this stained glass is really high quality. And uh, wh- let's try to explain to the listeners so they can envision it while we're talking. About- <laughs> Those noisy neighbors. They're so cocky. So tell me, or try to, to tell our listener what you see when you first look at it. For me... The centerpiece is the big pyramid, the mirror, and it's actually functional because it's where you um, for, where you bathe and it's in the shower house and everything. And then at the top of the pyramid is a big sunshine. And then I saw every element that you experience th- that gives you so much joy out here, magic, from the sunset to the moon. For me, the sky is the first thing I noticed, to an airstream to a loud rooster to a fire pit to why why don't you try to explain in words what you see when you first look at it well to describe it there's a big triangular mirror in the middle and it's sort of floating in a landscape it peeks up to this kind of graphic depiction of a sun an all-seeing eye a little bit uh, sort of reference, yeah. I guess, but and then on either side, there's a landscape, and it kind of just happened this way, but one side is more springtime, and one side is more winter. We were limited to um worrying about how far the glass would go. We, we neither one of us has ever done a mosaic before, so I've worked a little bit in stained glass, but basically, yeah, we went for it anyway, go go back to your description. So the springtime side. It's sunny, there's maybe like a sunset happening and a moon in the sky, and in the distance there's the tank. Where The tank uh, here, for our people who don't know, uh, I had to learn this, is oh, the yeah. pond. It's a, a pond yes. called tank a tank. Is a pond. That's it's a Texas man-made for To feed hole. the cattle and livestock. Yeah. Yeah. And to swim in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then running up to the tank up a path are the three dogs that live here. Oh, I didn't see that part. They're sort of hidden. And the idea was to have a lot of sort of hidden hidden gems to find while you're hanging out in there. Great. Well, I haven't seen it off. clean, so I will definitely look for these elements. And I'll take a picture so we can show anyone out there who might have access to, to look for these details. So that's exciting. All yeah. right. The dogs, the animals are There's a really dogs. big part. There's a goat. There's a goat. Yay, baby goats. <laughs> There's a big rooster. It's a beautiful, beautiful copperhead. rooster. There's Co- a copperhead oh, this, under the catch. rooster. Yeah. Yeah. It's going for eggs. Down at the bottom. Oh, is it going for it's eggs? It's going for oh, the eggs. So many stories out here. There's a little clutch of multicolored chicken eggs. And now we're on the right side. And that is more of like a dusk, wintry scene. There's a fire in a fire pit. This oak trees. Yes, with beautiful flames. There's mesquites on up. the left and oak trees on the right. And there's a... um. Deer skeleton. Yeah, a very prominently featured which, skull. Yeah, there was a. Oh well, I don't know. There was there was <laughs> there an was incident a, where there was an incident. Uh oh, there, the, there are a lot of incidents. The dogs. Here. There was a sick. Took down a deer. Did they really? Yes. Well, was wow. A sick deer, we believe. But what's wild here, too, just to, for my impressions, also coming down from Brooklyn, and you know the the coyotes are really amazing. And 
just such a great creature out at night, but you hear them howling and you can hear them moving around. Yeah. But there's a there's an area to bring the deer towards the end of the property that well we dr- we brought it over there. Mm, I see. Oh, when they when, when it was dogs dead. did their incident. And by two or three days, there's really nothing left. But that's was like a reference. But we would we'd walk over there to check it out every day. But hmm. I don't know. Amazing. Or the dogs Something. would bring us there because they on their walk. That's they want to check it out too. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that was a reference. I insisted on it. I guess it's a little bit darker on the right side. Mm-hmm. But and you've got the snake on the left. Right? The yeah. snake's on yeah. the left, and the eggs are on the right. So. Mm-hmm. It's a life and death sort of. Um, yeah, and the sun's thing, on the yeah. right, sunset, and the moon is on the upper left, no? Or yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. And then we, we have, you know, the sun sort of, um, what would you call it? At the top of the pyramid or mountain is, you know, sort of a depiction, sort of more graphic. It's like a sun Mayan thing or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. We, we laid this thing out. was all done in two, in two frantic weeks, which I'm proud of, that we actually finished because I thought I'd be leaving before it was finished because Cat's staying longer <laughs> and I need to get back. Amazing. That was a great, that was a nice project. It was very, it was stressful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it looks be, kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. So you drew it out underneath on what, a piece of cardboard or wood or? We did the elements separately the elements. And, and, you know, made a rooster. We each did our own sort of thing and then we would put those up and it was kind of like these little you know, Shane said tattoos or, you know, stickers or something. And then it was just Mm -hmm. like a vague idea. Which is probably good. It looks like you accomplished a lot of good quality maybe under the gun, which might have been a good thing. Yeah. You didn't have time to like debate or whatever. Like under the gun, you got to get it done. Like, you you know, you have to cooperate, collaborate. Let's get this done and let's see how we do it. Yeah. And so you drew it out, and then did you say you taped it down? or? Yeah, so we had drawn it on a little piece of paper, and it was m- much more geometric when we drew it on, like, a little 6 by 9 piece of paper. And we couldn't really think about how big this list of things we wanted to put in. So we had this list. I want to do a rooster. We should do a snake. We have to do the deer. Uh, there should be an airplane. There should be a sun, and I want to oh, yeah. do a moon oh, and airplane. constellations. Yeah, the, the and- airplane from the aerodrome. Yeah, next door that sure. flies over, and I was able to pick one from the from the website that I hope <laughs> is historically accurate. Yeah. <laughs> After we got the pyramid and the sun up, we took just masking tape and sort of drew out with masking tape. This will be where the rooster is. This will be where the goat is. This is where we're going to have this. I think you know. Behind the pipes of the water heater, we need a big element, so we'll put a cat there. And and we just oh, yeah. sort of cat sketched it out yeah. in masking tape, measured all of the masking tape drawings, and then just ha- had measurements by our list. And then we would go work on, okay, I'm just going to make this snake, I'm going to make this rooster. And we would just work on the little elements um, separately and then come and put them in. And once they were all up, then it was just... Fill it, fill it in as yeah. fast as you can. Right, and get it done. And then you have to find the right colors to. Uh, yeah, and what? there's some nice like, you know, you find some beautiful pieces of glass that you are drawn to and you want to put in there, and that you're kind of trying to do a, a like a gradient, a gradient. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah, with the sun. Yeah, set. and and then just filling in the you know between the green and the and the and the sandy textures of 
the earth around here, you know? That's, yeah. Well, for the, the listener, I should probably try to explain. It's a, it's a swirly stained glass. It's not solid. It's got kind of milky swirls in it. Is there a word for that kind of glass or... I am not sure. It's not exactly, your standard traditional solid. Yeah, there, I mean, it's, it's not very, glass. very little of it is the translucent stained glass that you would want if you were making a some stained it, glass window yeah. that would let light through. Some of it's mm-hmm. totally opaque, but it, mm-hmm. most of it, if you did have it in a against a window, it would it would shine. But yeah, there's definitely veins and variants and different colors and. Some beautiful pieces of glass. We're really fortunate to be able to just have a selection of of things. Because if we were to choose, if we were to try to order glass, we it would be it would not be as uh, there wouldn't be as many surprises. So that's good, and it's good that this is recycled scrap, reused. Yeah, in such a beautifully elegant way. And so. a lot of the pieces were you know small and broken that you it'd be it'd be hard probably for to use a lot of it for. Uh, a different project. Yeah, that's why probably right. when this guy retired or whatever he did, he had a bunch of it that was too small to really use that he's holding on to. But great to be repurposed. Yeah, in such a great way. Well, well done. I'm going to take a few pictures, and I want to take some close-ups too because there are like the like the the stars in the sky. There are some pieces that immediately your eye is drawn to just as a standalone. So, well done. Art has many facets, and Habitable Spaces has many multifaceted artists contributing to the campus and community. In this episode, I interview two talented Brooklyn-based artists, Kat Glennon and Ken Maduri. Kat and Glenn were resident artists when I interviewed them in January of 2021 and had completed a fabulous stained glass mosaic wall in the communal shower area. This structure is referred to as the bottle house because it was built from hundreds of discarded bottles. Kat and Ken will be sharing their journeys in art, how they dealt with the early days of Corona living with housemates in an old hotel, their history with the farm, their projects, and visions for their art. Also, the artists will be sharing words of wisdom for people who want to take a similar journey to theirs. Here's Ken and Kat. So I guess we should talk about the fighter jets flying overhead. (laughs) When I started this podcast, you know, it was all very, you know, in quarantine, we got to make do, you know, we should talk about... The things that are going on out here, I debated, should we even talk about, you know, um, the pandemic or whatever, because it's probably going to be over before we know it. But turns out that this has become a very long-term struggle for everyone involved. And then we had the election. Uh, Biden just got into office. And a lot's happened since we all got here. I think it might be interesting just to talk about everything that's gone on. What was the vibe when you got here? What's happened? Uh, and where where do you see things going? And I just uh, I guess hmm, I a- think we should just uh, <laughs> talk about where in history we are because it's become a very important and also habitable spaces was all about everything that's happening before it happened. So maybe I mean, you could just kind of like stream of consciousness talk about everything that's gone on and it's where we've been we a hell right of now. a year. 
hasn't it? <laughs> but uh, you, and you came you came, came here from Brooklyn. Yeah, I came here a few weeks ago. Right, okay. actually, right after Christmas. All right. Uh, and did you come from Brooklyn as well? Yeah. Okay, so you're both. Yeah. She flew okay. down, and I drove down. We were both yeah. invited in like May to come down around this time uh, to do a, you know, potentially a building project. I was. I said yes immediately. I was like, yes, when? Now? I want to leave. This, I don't want to be in Brooklyn anymore. Um, yeah, wow. New York's lockdown looks we should have left. really harsh. <laughs> yeah. And we live in a communal space. You know, we can all fight about whether it's worse to live alone or worse to live with people. But right. it's, so but it's hard. Right. So a is difficult in a communal yeah. space when you're all under the same roof, unlike here where you have separate habitats. Right. And Dude. I think it was... Our space works as a communal space because everybody has their own schedules and their own lifestyles and you kind of, you can interact or not and be in or out of each other's lives as much as you feel comfortable with. And with quarantine, you really had to be thrust into a much more intimate roommate situation. And that was getting... Oof. Difficult, <laughs> like a lot of families. I yeah. you know, this is this is also the nature of um, how strange things have been with New York and the cha- you know changing with the with the quarantine. Let's say, for instance, in the beginning, you know, the panic, the you know shutdown, the change of pace that you're forced to make, but you know, hmm. this sort of anxiety that's building and this fear for things as you know as things started to settled settle down over time for me at least you know to to have perspective to say okay i'm not in immediate danger you learn to live you learn learn to live as safe as you can uh to try not to get sick feelings of you know that you're on your own in some sense you know at times feeling like there's help some help from the government but then there's other you know and but then you know this sort of big change of pace and then with new york and in terms of the shutdown it's sort of again what like we have we have really nice studios we're very fortunate in our space our communal space we do have pretty for new york nice size private areas to work on things but I wouldn't say it was tremendously productive for me in the beginning, at least. But, you know, you switch gears and you settle down. But New York become became a strange place because normally you are out doing so many things. You don't stop and you have all these things to do. You know, you have just even time to kill. There's so many things going on. And once all that shut down, hmm. then wow. you're sort of forced back in inside you know we, again we we're very fortunate there's people that have based on that idea they have very small places because they're never at home and then when you're forced to be home i mean i don't, I don't know how people oh, did it God. with kids and things but i've seen the facebook posts and some people you know like our friend janine just be, being in this tiny space but you know she's used to being able to go up to the bars yeah. you know the parks and the- yeah yeah and then in the I beginning we we're f- afraid to leave you know i remember we, our first camping trip we felt like we were being irresponsible just because we were even though the city really turned things around and that's another reason why i still you know i love i love the city because the people sort of you know adapt. Ad- adapt quick and don't you know bullshit around too much and 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 got the numbers down and you know at first when you're just thinking 
just watching every, you know, we live near a hospital. So it's like the sirens are going off just 24 seven and you're Ooh, sitting on the Lord. roof, just being like, what is happening here? But, but anyway, I settled down and then, you know, trying to go camping for the first time upstate, we were still sort of thinking like, what if, what if it felt irresponsible, you know? Yeah. Right. But like gas stations, you're doing the pump. Yeah. But I, yeah. And what, like, what if you're bringing it to a community? Mm-hmm. What if you're, bringing it back to your community. What if you're Typhoid Mary? And yeah. You're, <laughs> and yeah. T- Patient pod. But you know, that. but then you adapt also and you realize that this is something you have to live with for a period of time. So, you know. How you, many of you were there in your pod or your living like situation? Like seven or something like this. Or yeah. No, there weren't seven the whole time. Well, people, a some couple people, people left. Yeah, some mm. people left with somebody who, you know, it was people with different health situations we that, were six for the for most of it yeah and then seven and then i, I think it was we, we were really kind of closed in until uh protests started and then which um, protests the first the protest would have been the blm protests, right and that was around the time when the numbers started coming down and, and we also just were going out more not out but we were going we were more comfortable going to the store going you know like we weren't hoarding groceries and wiping everything down and trying to like only leave the house once every two weeks right you know so things and it was summer it was summer so may june july this yeah would have been when was it it began in like it was and i think it was the end of may did people start coming out people started coming outside And, and 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 we went you know to a few and it was just sort of and you know, sort of an outrage situation where you're, you're you feel you're uh, upset and you're at home and you're like we have to do something as as you're go- coming through this crazy period of emotions that you know from being panicky scared and this, to general anxiety about the future to whatever yeah. and then I mean we had the elections going on before that and the elections were the BLM right thing so, and then so then being inundated with media oh. stuff whatever but you and in new york too but, I but mean, going out on the street in new york which is again another you know where we would normally only be going a few blocks from our house because times we would take bike rides or do something and it just nothing seemed right so you would just say for, you know gonna give up you just say i need to get out i need to go i'd go to a park occasionally to sit but if if there was too many people or anything you would just sort of feel like well what's the point of going anywhere i should just stay home and that's mm. not how the city operates, in my opinion. So, yeah, are you guys a live work situation? Is it a, yeah. a big loft style? No, I'm trying to a, envision. It's an old hotel. It's, it's, an, a, old it's hotel. an old SRO hotel. So, what's SRO? Uh, single resident occupancy. That's such a unique situation. That's but great. I've seen a few of those in New York and different places, like the shared kitchen and and just a a weird formula of shared living that most people never experience. Huh. So you really had to pay attention to that. And then so you were brave enough to fly to fly here. Were you ugh, trepidatious at all? Or? I was not. I was nervous about it. And I yeah. the whole time I thought I would rather if I had to travel or when we start traveling again Flying felt more comfortable to me because there is a protocol that you understand. Like, you know how to get on a flight. So you know what's going to happen. You know how long it's going to take. And you only have to plan for those six, eight hours that you're doing that. Whereas a road trip, 
And oh, I know yeah. that I'm like in the minority of this and most people were like, no, I want to be in my car and have feel like I have control. Freedom. It just felt like there was more instances in which you could be exposed and there were more things that could happen that you wouldn't be able to plan for. And that kind of like overwhelming, like you'll never be able to plan for the whole thing was not appealing to me. And flying felt like a tight, concise, maybe a little bit scarier, maybe way more people than I'd been around. Um, Nervous. But I knew that it would be over in a matter of hours and that I just had to really protect myself for those hours and then I could be okay. Great. I... Um, I was nervous about it. I, I, I still agree. And I, my biggest fear when I decided to drive down was something happening. That would be the worst thing. There was a, a breakdown or whatever, and then being stuck somewhere that's out of your control. Yeah. Forces you to have to interact but, with. Yeah. And then, you know, I kind of left like a little bit late in the day as I was hemming and hawing and, uh, being comfortable at home, but being a little bit worried and which can be my nature, but I, <laughs> but I got in once I got in my van and that, like, the especially road. the second day, I was just like, that that felt like you're just escaping, you're driving yeah. out of it, and that was empowering and and nice. just fantastic feeling. And then after also all that here, time in lockdown, I bet that was such yeah. freedom. And then totally, and then just getting down here, and obviously, it's warmer. <laughs> Yes. And, oh my uh, God. Isn't that amazing? Just being just outside the, every day yeah. is fantastic. It's been great. It's definitely the best thing that I did. Truly. Makes a big in difference. this year. But it's, yeah. uh, it's, it, yeah. yeah in upstate, um, this time of year, we call it suicide season because <laughs> it's just so <laughs> dark which, and dreary and wet and like gray. It's, it's, and, I think that's too tough. I, I mean, I went to school upstate and then. Oh, you did. And so I you're studied. Familiar. Studied boat building up in Maine. And oh, right. The yeah, Maine was, yeah. But that was like snow cover for this, the paths getting smaller and smaller that <laughs> you shovel out until it's just like. <laughs> it's just one long little. Yeah, just narrow, one little thing. that you Like just, wild, like five foot high banks on yes. either side of these you, paths. It's, it's, With cut cliffs. Yes. Yeah. Seasonally. <laughs> and, and then that's the other thing too. Before the before the pandemic, we, we, tra- we were fortunate enough also, that, like a lot of people, we well, not a lot, but. We traveled a lot, so being kind of stuck in one place, yeah. um, it's a and whole different to re- experience. Re- readjust. Wow! But you know, people are resilient, <sighs> and you kind of you do adjust, and you make new sense out of your situation. You change, yeah. and I'm, I've been really excited. Also, at the same time, the res- restriction—you know—it's re- been restrictive, but also, um, you know, op- it's open doors in some ways. And I've been, I've, yeah. a lot of people have just really reevaluated things and switched places as yeah. you did. And, and I think it, we might get some um, positive. I think there's so, there could be silver linings to all this. We, you know, we thought it was going to end, but I, I feel like it, in many ways, you know, it's only just beginning. So, yeah. um, so you were in New York for Black Lives Matter. Um, and you were quarantined with your, you know, seven or so mates on and off. And so you decided to come here when? In December? I came here in December. In I December. decided to come in May. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> Which you, I wish so you had. made it in December. Yeah. 
So, yeah, there's just so much politically going on. Are you guys politically inclined? Do you pay attention to this? Are you affected by it? Is it something that you're... For me, it's just been like the the the, the elections, you know, I, I pay close attention to the stories in the media, and it just had me very wound up. And then the Black Lives Matter was a whole other thing on top of that and quarantine. And then, you know, and then recently we've had riots, uh, the, the riots at the Capitol, you know. Um, so now Joe Biden is our president. I was hoping that would come to fruition, and it did. Um, and so are you guys following the news out here or are you just kind of staying away from it and distancing yourself a little bit? I've been distancing myself yeah. a little bit. I think it was um, really hard to be consuming all of that media and to be following COVID news so closely and then to be following sort of local protest actions so closely you're putting a lot of emotional energy into taking care of yourself and taking care of, you know, the people in our house in the immediate, the people in your community. And um, I felt pretty guilty when I came down here because I started to feel disconnected from that community. But at the same time, there is only so much I could do. Yeah. You know, we we vote in every election and really make an effort to be civic-minded and, you know, politically engaged. But at a certain point, like, I didn't want to watch any of the presidential debates because I didn't feel that anything could change my mind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love voting early because then I'm done and I can kind of wash my hands of it. And I know that I've done what I could do and I can just sort of take a step back. And so I think that's part of why I wanted to come down here and disengage a little bit is to sort of have that sense like you did what you could do and now you can like recover a little bit. Right. Yeah. So, okay, so we've got Biden, and um, thankfully that was a peaceful transition. You guys are getting ready to head back, so that's a good thing. So uh, one of my main curiosities is what you did last time because I always heard these stories you know have you met you know her and heard about what she did and then I heard about you know just kind of bits here and there about your month-long I don't know what you would call it isolation out in the woods how would you explain what you did so you were here alone last yeah. year right was it? it no it was like five years ago oh, okay five years ago okay and we're on you're eight. At ha they're on. You're eight here at Habitable Spaces. So you're here on the, their third year, I guess. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was. And so, why is this part of your art? What is your um, background before coming here? I had never done a project like that, but I had started to dabble a little bit in performance art, and move more into projects that were more research based. Um. They didn't necessarily have, like, any aesthetic ties beyond, you know, everything you make sort of feeds into everything else you make. But there wasn't, like, oh, these are paintings or I always do this. I had wanted to do a project about a feeling that I had that there's no great examples of women forging alone in the wilderness 
And the only sort of example you have of that growing up or in pop culture is witches. And so I wanted to build a witch house and go live like a witch in the wilderness. Wow, and that's so brave. And prove that it was, like, easy and I could do it. Of course I could. And so I had been thinking about this project and I started building a structure. And I think I might have actually had it completed before I really knew where I was going to go with it. And Ken suggested that I get in touch with Allison um, because it fit really well with kind of their initial vision of the space as an art project to have artists come and build their own habitable spaces and reside in them. Um, Hmm. And so I contacted her and she was really excited and I described my structure and she said, you have to have it on a platform because it floods. And so I came out here and I built... It was springtime, right? That's amazing. It was April, So you kind of pitched it. You had it in mind but didn't know where it was going to be and then Ken came along and said, connected you and then you pitched it. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. And so I had... I brought all of the equipment that I needed. I shipped the structure down. Um, you had it pre-built. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just built the little deck. The structure is a tetrahedron, which is a four equilateral triangles. And so I built like a little diamond platform so I could have a little deck. And amazing. Jeff helped me drag it out to the woods. We need pictures of this. I've never seen pictures. It's really pretty. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I still have it. It's in my house. Oh, because it folds. Me? It folds up. Oh my god, that's brilliant. So you can flat pack it. Flat pack. But uh, yeah, the reason why I was bringing up the spring is because I was looking at the weather all the time, but it was just like insane thunderstorm. Oh, it rains the whole time. <sighs> oh, wow. And you're kind of grateful to have rain out here, usually but, in the farmland, but in the artist's land, as, as possibly I've, not. It was lucky to, it. you know, it rained some here, which is great for because it's been a bit of a drought, as I understand, but um, even in the winter, hearing some of the thunder, it's been just a tiny, you couldn't even call it a thunderstorm, I'm sure, down here, but it just rolls in and just Cat's descriptions of that being in a shelter that's not really built for like extreme weather, mm-hmm. but just with thunder clapping. Oh, yeah. Whoa. I mean, I designed it to be Crazy. waterproof. I didn't design it to be in stormy weather. <laughs> and it held up. There wow. were um, a number of leaking problems that I didn't. It never, the top was totally watertight, but then because I was sitting on a platform, I didn't have any eaves, Mm -hmm. so the water would leak in from below, and I just didn't know how to handle that. What were you sleeping on? Was it mattressy? I was sleeping on a sheepskin. Sheepskin? Oh my God, that is so hardcore. Um, I had a little sleeping bag on on my sheepskin, and I would roll up my sheepskin every day, and... Then wow. have my little structure. and I mean, I wasn't... Did you interact with people or... No. No? What was that? What did you do? Oh my God, did you just go insane? I just can't imagine <laughs> that. No. Okay, well, a lot Brambles. of my time... Sorry. Brambles, you can't be here. It's a little joke between all of us and Brambles. Brambles, <laughs> you get you get home now, Brambles. You can't be here. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, okay, so in isolation for a month. No yeah. phones or media or yes? Or I had a phone for safety. Okay, good. Um, 
a lot of what I did was walk around and look for stuff and look at stuff and take pictures and see what was pretty and kind of like get a lay of the land, dry, like really boring domestic stuff. Like today's the day I got to wash my clothes or I need to go get water or I have to dry my stuff out because it rained or, Hmm. you know. So you had daily chores. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Right. And I made, I had a, um, like a Dickies jumpsuit that I wore every day for the most part. I like lashed together some, like this is sounds so silly. I lashed together a bunch of twigs <laughs> and I made a little loom and then I would like weave little patches to put on <laughs> my crazy um, cool. <laughs> my outfit and I would like decorate my outfit. <laughs> Amazing. You know, and that would feel really important. So I'd be like, oh, I got to get home and, like, weave on my loom to finish my patch. And I would, like, set up a hammock and then be like, this hammock is too sunny. I need to set up it somewhere else. And uh, just kind of very, I think, typical urges to make yourself more comfortable Mm. and sort of nest in a way. Um, I had a all my food set up in a tree so I would like hang these little shelves so I could have a little kitchen and a tree and that was an oak tree and then I had a mesquite tree that had sort of died and or it was just falling over a little bit and I had I wove a little mat in between two branches and I had this so I had a little counter and that was my bathroom I would keep all my toiletries there wow your vanity uh, yeah. yeah my vanity <laughs> I would go, and then I would go look for stuff. Was it aesthetically? Did you make it beautiful? I've of always course. wondered. I've always thought in caveman days, you know, I would always have like the designer caveman with rock, <laughs> you know, beautiful rocks here, yeah. like a beautiful sculpture of twigs there. Yeah. It's like you know, sometimes it's like you have your innate things that just come totally. with your DNA. Kind of decorate your nest. You know? Yeah, I don't. I don't think that picking up a rock because it's pretty is like new for humans. <laughs> yeah. It's, you're just kind of back to work. Yeah. And so then you would be like, hmm. oh, this rock's pretty. Like, oh, now I'm carrying a heavy rock. I better go walk it back. Oh, now I'll walk over here. See what's over here. Crazy. Did you have any major enlightenments or, you know, was this the first time and did, were you, what, what, did you, will you ever do it again? Were you... I would love to do it again. Really? I thought it was okay. so fun. Really? Hmm. I felt great. I absolutely loved it. There were no demands on my time. I was in absolute, complete control of everything I did. Did you get bored? No. You didn't? No. Wow. That's amazing. No. Was it a, a like a, a shock at first, like being like being pulled away from brambles? You get down off there. Don't you dare. <laughs> you keep saying his name. He just wants to get closer and closer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brambles. Huh. Well, no, it, so what was the your your enlightenment from, from that whole project? Did you write about it? or I wrote about it. Yeah. It felt really... It felt really simple and really day-to-day. It was like the environment had changed, but the things you did every day were the same. You would get up and make tea and make oatmeal and... Think about what you were going to do. Maybe go get a walk. Maybe you had to fix something. Maybe you had to, oh, what if I had this? I could set this up. And then I would sort of like work at 
that and think about how I could put that together and then make that little project happen. But it was one of the most liberating things to just be in absolute complete control of everything you're doing at every moment and to never be questioned because then you're always right. Hmm. And that it, that's such a rare thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's rare to feel so in control of your life. What if someone came up to you and said, you know, I'm an artist and I've been inspired by your work and I want to do something similar. Do you have advice? I think... I think some. I think everybody should do it. It's you do. the best. Um, Alone or with people or either or. Either or. I had a really fantastic time. Um, you need more containers than you think. <laughs> there are. You organization is really huge, and I didn't have a lot of built-in organization, and I was constantly wishing I had containers. I just <laughs> mm. remember wanting containers. And I brought containers. Mm. I had bowls and bags and all these little things I had made. I wanted to have everything I used for the most part be something that I had made. So mm. I made a sink and I made That's amazing. a table yeah. and I made this little uh, stand so I could lean back in, you know, because a tetrahedron, it's always coming in at you. So I built this little sloping backrest so I could lean back and lounge. And But yeah, organizing those things was probably the biggest thing that I regret. So organization of space, very yeah. important. Yeah. And, and you also, you know, and then if somebody wanted to go away for a month, there's also organization of everything you need to bring mm -hmm. and remembering to bring luxuries. Right. A friend of mine was like, how many chocolate bars are you going to bring? And I said, I haven't bought any chocolate bars yet. And she was like, but you need them. And I said, but every time I think about how many I need, and then I calculate how much that will cost as a line item, it seems absurdly expensive, and then I don't buy it. <laughs> and she said, well, you can't only bring green and blacks. You mm. have to bring cheaper chocolate. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> but I think that her, like, you know, her wanting to tell me that, like, making sure I brought those things is really valuable. You need to have luxuries. You need to feel comfortable. You know, you don't want to be, yeah. like, suffering. No one cares, you know. Um, hmm. You it, so you did have a few a few minor luxuries. Yeah, okay. that, yeah. That was good I had chocolate advice. bars. Did you talk? Was this I had person? two handles of booze. Okay, yeah, that's very. <laughs> <good>. <laughs> Which another friend of mine at the liquor store, he like did some quick math, and he was like, "You need." He's like, "If you have a shot a day, but an actual shot, like a a gener, you know, not a generous pour, but like." A solid pour at the end of the day, every day. You'll need this much. You got to so pace. So just get two. Uh, you really learned how to moderate, how to pace, yeah. how to plan. Yeah. It's just fascinating. Hmm. That's amazing. Well, uh, I'll. Uh, is there any, can we find the results of this online anywhere? Photographs, journal entries, anything? I have a couple of pictures on my website. They seem insane. Did you make a zine with that or no? I did make a zine. I don't have any of the zines. I, one of the things I did was I made a camera 
my camera broke. I brought like three cameras. You but made a camera. One of them broke. And your, so then yeah. I built two cameras. The first one wasn't pinholes. as good as the second one. Yeah, pinhole cameras. Really? And that was yeah. your first was that your first pinhole camera? That's amazing. Was it? I don't know. Maybe. Pinhole camera. Um but so some of the photos are like these weird like purple, red, yellow, crazy landscape because there's light leaks because I made it with, like, tape and cardboard. Right on. Oh, I love that. Um, what's your website? Katglennon.com. Okay. Amazing. So cool. Can't wait to hear more about that or read more about it online. And so uh, you, sir, um, were, before you came here, the stained glass, you had studied a little bit of this beforehand. Did you take it a stained glass? Sort of. I did take a class. I took a course, supposedly. But, I mean, you know, a course in South Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. That was great on Saturdays. I mean, you know, I, I think I I was I haven't been able to take courses because I was traveling a lot with work. Brambles, you get down off there. That's, that's Come Brambles on, walking Brambles. across the table. <laughs> I know. I could hear her, him praying before. <laughs> Come great. on, Brambles. Um, Come on. But uh, yeah, that was. <laughs> so, what did they teach you in stained glass class? Well, it was just like a. I guess I've done it a couple of times at different places, but sort of a, a reminder, and I was trying to learn lead caming and. You know, so, but this class was great. It was just like everybody was retired and just all walks of life and from Brooklyn and just talking about their grandkids and stuff. And it was, it was really excellent. Right on. Super Were you the Brooklyn young one in the crowd? Yeah. hundred yeah. like way younger. Huh. And, uh, got, you know, everyone just like super thick Brooklyn accents and stuff and so uh, making <laughs> stuff for their grandkids and whatnot. But, um. I mean, stained glass windows are beautiful, but um, it's a hard medium to work in that because a lot of it is pretty hokey. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a web designer. One of my um, clients is a is a master stained glass person. He said that uh, things are getting harder to find. Certain mm. um, certain elements of stained glass are, you know, these the, probably the less manufactured. Yeah, yeah kind of going out of business. It's getting mm-hmm. kind of difficult. So. Hopefully, it's not a dying uh, art form. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. So what is this about the Helmet Project? I tried to do research, but I couldn't, I, I couldn't oh, get um, it together. One of the things, of course, I'm trying to do something that, well, I had a sort of leaded glass pro- projects that I've been working on, um, sort of terrarium projects and things that I was, I was working on that maybe one day would also translate to something here, uh, that Allison terrarium meaning yeah, like little or, self-contained ecosystems yeah, behind think, glass yeah or? but on so on model scales with architecture and things and then potentially talking about sort of like bigger projects big here structures. yeah oh, with glass and that sort of thing cool. which I've always been interested architecturally in the in, in these glass elements and some of the, I'm work, still sort of working on a project with with that on the side but I there's a this helmet that I'm <laughs> gladiator helmet that I've been trying to make uh recently gladiator is that it's a it's a piece that's in the louvre that i'm just obsessed with it's it's just a design that's nice and i uh, that that appeals to me but i am trying to make it out of copper and and um glass which is kind of strange but i could during i don't know there it's it's speaks to a number of different um something with the glass and the and this 
military aggressive mm. form that's in this fragile state is kind of interesting. But hmm. it's, it's a scleroderma has sort of like a, I think it's like a griffin or something that comes off the head, but it has sort of a rooster uh, look to it. So with the kind of a, like with yeah, the like curling over, over, and then it's and... got this great um, mesh face plate that opens up, and then it's a sort of uh, brim, a, a brim, a, a, and this would have been I guess bronze, but it's like a, a brim that comes off. That's sort of it looks like it would shed water, or you know, sort of a sun like aerodynamic, like almost like a like a sombrero kind of look. And this is a hmm. gladiator, you know. I forget what what age, what age it's from, but um, oh, that sounds amazing. But the yeah, but I started with sort of a, a butter dish of a rooster, which is the top, <laughs> and that's uh, laid in with uh, copper, and I'm working off of that. Uh, what is the scale of this? Like a like a wearable helmet, a wearable bigger helmet. sort oh, of gosh. a bigger sort of stand. But it, I, and I don't know exactly. We'll see if it comes together. But it's yeah, it sounds stunning. It's it's fun. It's it's just. I, I don't know. I guess I always get into something that has a huge learning curve and then has to, uh, it will just take a very long time. unless you. <laughs> and so do you have um, a background in nautical, like a nautical background and boats and uh, stuff? Or? Again, sort of more about the uh, woodworking side of it and then trying, you know, sort of a, a frustration with my level of woodworking brought me to and then hearing an opportunity to study boat building in Maine, that's what I went up there. In Maine. And that was also sort of communal living situation. And there was lots of other things to learn about farming and because they did have a small you know, garden and sort of attracted similar people that are the types that come through here, for instance, and timber framing and... Uh, which was also really piqued my interest. There was a lot of people living off grid around and 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 teaching traditional wood sk working skills from, you know, you know, like uh, using a wood miser and, and creating your own lumber, but also using you know a broad axe to carve your own lumber for for traditional timber framing. And then hmm. so I had some some experience with that but you know mainly it was wooden built building which you know traditional tools you know chisels and planes and fascinating and that's and steam bending and and it's just um and, and the temper frames they don't use nails right those are the pe or pe older pegs, yeah i mean they they would they, it, it would sort of depend but a lot of it would be yeah like mortise and tenon with pegs and wooden hmm. pegs and and then but you know just a wealth of knowledge about you know how how wood reacts and working with green wood and and um how it sort of you know swells and and dries over time and and ideas about um yeah kilning being a pretty important part of the process for a lot of that type work right if you yeah. don't get it completely dried out well they would well they would they would use a lot of it green you oh, they cut, would? yeah cut it down and use like a chainsaw mill or you mm. know traditionally you would just use an axe or an adz or whatever to like square up your timbers or even use round timbers and to get, to get the bark off and design it in ways like a one of the instructors was building a house that i worked on a bit and um and it shrinks a fair amount but it's like that's that's designed in the process so, it is so, so you, you designed for, they, for yeah like they felled a that. tree it in shrinks the, into the joint into so the if yeah. if you 
do joinery with green wood, mm. it'll shrink onto itself. Okay. Tighten up. And tighten up. And if you oh, use wow. a kiln-dried peg, the green wood will shrink onto it. Fascinating. Instead okay. of, like, working itself loose, it does the opposite. Wow, you really have to know what's going to happen as it dries out. Right? Yeah, I think that also... Well, yeah, like, so, so... Like, the house that I was working on, you know, they were lucky to have somebody who sort of planned it a bit that ha- had more experience. But it is, you know, it's huge just sort of learning curve with, like, everything. And that was, you know, that was like a straw bale house in the end that they built this timber frame structure and they're they're trying straw bale which i think was moderate success in maine although it's, it's pretty in maine, cold but oh God, super maine thick walls and so whatnot, cold but, but they're still not in you know <laughs> like everything it takes forever and they're not fully living in it so without occupying it nature sort of takes it back and there's yeah you know rodents will get into and if you're not there to like get into the straw and start eating away and the weather will take it out if you're not like just on it all the time but um hmm. but the you know there's always a lot of discussions about that with different people's skill levels or there was a lot of contractors and background people that came in through there and so cool. um and just discussions about uh structures you know which habitable spaces draw you know is, is a draw for me as well because you know talking about structures that breathe you know as mm-hmm. opposed to mm-hmm. using all these sort of plastic based materials that yeah i'm from new mexico in. and and our adobe homes are Just, designed with all of that and that's what in mind and that's a traditional material that and if you sort of you know new materials come out and you're like this is and they ha- everything has its place in some degree but it's um people say for a while we're really trying to make everything super tight and then you know right. spray insulation, which has its places too. But you know, you would get mildew problems or mold mm-hmm. problems or this this kind of thing. So yeah, that's a big problem with the structural insulated homes, panel homes. Um, so uh, are we going to see a structure out here in habitable spaces someday? Maybe one day, you know. <laughs> but uh, it would so it would be so. It's so it is so fun. Amazing. It's so fun to work Pioneering. on that scale too. That. Um, it's so usable. Cool. And it's so building wooden boats too, it's like Same thing. amazing to, you know, work at a, at a scale that's like you're, you're working around an object, you know, and you're, you're taking it off the, yeah. the, you know, the mold or whatever. And, and then working well, inside. Well, I hear your, uh, your art floating. is amazing. Is it, does it all kind of pertain to what you're talking about or what are some of your more celebrated pieces? I guess that would be the question to ask. What are, those were sort of a more standout sort of pieces, but uh, but when yeah. I when okay. I was drawing more, I suppose. But I, I wow, you're a multi been, been drawing um, in a faceted artist then, huh? At times. So you're are you both? <laughs> do you qualify as professional artists? Is that how? Gosh, it must be really difficult. Or I mean, is that how you make a living? Or what if there are people out there that are say, you know, especially after quarantine, everyone's reevaluating, saying, you know what, what, uh, what is the point of all that? I'd really rather focus on my creative self and be an artist. And, and as hard as that is right now, are you? How, do you have any advice for people who might be getting into it? <laughs> Don't do it, or love it, or love it. What you know? Is it worth the sacrifice? Is it difficult? Is it? I mean. What I, I feel that a lot of what's going on right now politically and all that in the world is that it's because a lot of our big artists have died and we need more 
imagination and vision and instead of infighting, we like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I really feel like we need more emphasis on the art. So what is your take on all that? Um, like, if someone's thinking about getting into it, any advice? I think you have to dedicate a lot of time to it. One of the reasons we are able to do these projects or travel to learn new things is what we do to make money is freelance. Uh, we both hang art. We're art handlers. And the way that industry is structured, it's really easy to take work and then not take work and then take some work and then not take work. So it's sporadic. Yeah. And it can be sort of on an expected schedule with like museums, you know, they plan really far ahead. And so you kind of know when you will be working. And to have huge chunks of time is invaluable. I think it's really difficult to maintain an art practice when you are putting energy into working a job. And it becomes another task to to go to work and work eight hours and then come home and feed yourself and work on whatever creative endeavor you want to do can be really difficult. And so I found that for me, it doesn't work to kind of pressure myself into working working on art after work and that I need to have those two things have separate times, separate mm. designated times. Right. Interesting. What is your um, what is your vision for for your future um, artistically and creatively? I think that I am really enjoying building skills at the moment. Art changed a lot when you couldn't see it anymore because mm. you know quarantine happened and there weren't as many shows and their museums were closed and. Mm. It's a big reality check. Yeah, and I really missed seeing art, but kind of like everything else that's being reevaluated, you can you start to see the smaller endeavors also, right? It doesn't it, it doesn't have to be so institutional. You can find, you know, find joy in appreciating art anywhere. And it doesn't need to be sort of dictated that, like, no, we're all excited about Donald Judd now. You can sort of, you can go to a cafe and say, this is actually a really beautiful painting. And yeah. it doesn't matter that it's probably just a woman who goes out and paints ponds because it's a beautiful painting of a pond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And, and you're a zine designer too, right? Yeah, I've so done. That, I would qualify that as art. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And yeah. that's, yeah, I, again, on that sort of same point, I guess, that it's it's interesting to sort of people questioning these institutions and sort of, and, you know, and, and what we do. So, you know, for instance, the sort of gallery scene and, and you know, things have have moved along. I guess it's, it's, it's thought of as sort of a, uh, just it'll always be there and continue on. And I'm sure on some level it will, but um, this... I'm kind of interested in, in seeing what what 
that comes around out of this sort of shakeup and, and what people are doing out in, I've always been interested in what people are, how people are filling their time with working on some creative projects and, and sort of coming across them in places that wouldn't be recognized and on a commercial way, you know, in a gallery in New York that with, with, with the dollar signs um, in mind, you know. Yeah, right. And, uh, so art takes many different forms. For sure. And a lot of my artist friends, like, have a really big problem with that whole gallery scene. It sounds very political. But that's not, that's just one very small facet of it. And from an outsider's point of view, I don't know if that's true. For sure, yeah. And uh, I guess it just... And personally, I suppose it's maybe run its course in my interest for a while, um, which, you know, maybe New York has in some level, but uh, which I still love it. But I think that I'm excited about looking in other places. And, and also, I, I, I like the idea of, of, build, of building and structures and sort of usable spaces that you would, that you know, have more, more, you know, multiple purposes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Great. Well, wow. You guys have given me so much of your time and I really appreciate it. Um, can, can I get your websites one more time or anywhere to contact or look for your work or whatever? I wonder if my website is still up. Or uh, do you have Instagram or anything? If not, I'll put it in the uh, I believe my website, kenmador.com. Kenmador.com. Yeah. Okay. I think it's still up. All right. All right. <laughs> Um, and and your um, what's your website again? My website is catglennon.com. And my Instagram is catglennon. All right. Very cool. All right. Well, I want to get a picture of you in front of this beautiful stained glass. And I want to make sure that I photograph all of the beautiful details because it is absolutely stunning. I mean, really, I almost started crying. I was just like my jaws on the ground. I was not expecting anything even close to that. I'm really excited for you guys. And um and, uh, and I hope to show people the beautiful work that you do. Thanks for your time. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Tripping down here without reservations, without knowing his destination. But now he's here, but not quite clear just what he will do. Some friends from habitable spaces said, come on over to one of our places. So we jumped right Life on the farm Hey, don't you fly too high Everybody's got to have some time to cry Hey, don't you fly too high You'll find your place in the sky Hey, don't you fly too high Everybody's got to have some time to cry Your place in the sky.